Hey, you guys. Okay. So make sure I'm home. Uh, first of all, my name is Keith. If y'all don't know me, uh, I know most of you guys, but there's a lot of faces. Um, wow, those lights are really bright. Like, I can't even see any of y'all right now. But, uh, yeah, that's good. I like Anyways, uh, I'm Keith, and uh, if I don't know you, I want to get to know you. Uh, and uh, I was just standing back there, and I haven't done this in a while, and I definitely haven't done it in this kind of setting, uh, you know, like preach, you know. And um, I'm really nervous, I'm really scared, but I was just listening to that song that said that you're perfect in all of your ways, and he's also perfect in putting someone like me up here. And I mean, I don't really deserve it, but. Um, I'm just going to trust that he knows what he's talking about. And uh, anyways, first I just want to start off telling you, uh, like Cedric did a couple of weeks ago, about how I feel about Simple Church. Um, I'm really thankful for you guys, and I really love you guys a lot. Uh, Sometimes you forget what it's like to have a church family, and um, when I come here, that's what I feel. I feel that bond, that that unity that you're supposed to feel with your believers, you know, with other believers, with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what I feel here. And I appreciate you guys for your worship and for your genuineness and all that stuff. Um, It's just really encouraging to see worship and all that kind of stuff. And I don't feel hindered to worship here at all. And uh, that's how it's supposed to be. But anyways, um, last week, Kenny started talking about discipleship. That's kind of what I'm going to be talking about tonight. But he, um, he said something about we look at discipleship as if it's one, another young guy and then one young guy, like they come together and they go to Starbucks and they just, they kind of go through a devotion together. They talk about Jesus. They just, like once a week, you know, like you got your discipleship down. And most of us even look at discipleship like a Sunday school class, you know, like, okay, so a Sunday morning service, that's supposed to be where you speak your evangelistic message. That's where all the people, the lost people come in. You don't really talk about discipleship stuff. You talk about things that lost people want to hear. You know, you, you speak up good things. You know, you don't really go too deep because people don't understand. So that's what you do in Sunday school. You do, just, you do discipleship in Sunday school and maybe even on Wednesday nights after church, like, you know, in small groups. Small groups is where you really do discipleship, not church. Like, church is not where you're supposed to do discipleship. So I really feel like sometimes we may have the wrong idea of discipleship just because of where we think it takes place. You know, like there's evangelistic messages and then there's discipleship messages. There's uh, places where you talk about evangelism, there's places you talk about discipleship, and we put them in two different categories. We put a lot of, I mean, we put discipleship in its own category when maybe it shouldn't be. I don't know, but we're going to go to God's Word and we're going to see what discipleship really is. Uh, If you want to turn to me to Luke chapter 14, and we're going to be starting in verse 25. So Luke chapter 14, verse 25, maybe, maybe it'll be on the screen. Yeah, okay. So um, verse 25, a large crowd was following Jesus. Kind of want to get a picture here. So you have Jesus, this man, I mean, like, he kind of went silent for the first 30 years in his life. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just begins to just be this really up-and-coming guy. Everybody wants to follow him. Everybody wants, everybody wants to see his miracles. Everybody wants to see him, you know, open blind eyes, open deaf ears. Everybody wants to see him do this. So people start following him. They're just like, you know, I, I'm going to follow him, and I'm, I'm going to see what he's about because he's doing good things. I'm going to follow him. Well, the thing about Jesus is if when you read through the Gospels, 
you realize that Jesus, whenever people were following, he don't just turn around, hey, what's up, guys? You know, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you could follow me today. I'm Jesus. Um, today, I'm going to be opening some blind eyes, and maybe you guys will get a taste of what I'm like, and maybe you guys will want to follow me forever. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't really know. I mean, you can, you can go do your thing, but I'll be over here healing some people, and you can follow me if you don't, if you don't want to. That's cool, too. I mean, whatever. He doesn't ever have that, like, enthusiastic, that, like, grin on his face, you know, that really smiley, kind of, like, enthusiastic character about him. It's always something serious. It's, he always knows something that's on the people's hearts. The people who are following, he always knows their hearts, and they're following him. They don't, they don't know that he knows this, but he does. And so he never, he, he never acts that way. He always tells the truth, so we're going to see what he says. A large crowd was following him, so he said, he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. So when I read that, I kind of get this, this feeling that everybody who's been to church before has maybe heard that. Or if you haven't been to church, you heard it just now. But I kind of get a feeling that we look at that and, and there's people who say that, you know, they read that scripture. This is what a disciple looks like. The disciple hates everybody else by comparison, right? But I feel like a lot of people want to make that a little bit easier to hear than what it really is. You know, so, oh, no, 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 like you don't understand. Okay, so it may say hate in the Bible, but that's not what it really means. It doesn't really mean that you should hate everybody else. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean all that. So it just means you need to love people less than you love God. So like God needs to be just a little bit above your wife. Like, as long as you put God first, as long as you say, oh, God's first in my life, that's cool. You can put God before your job. You put God before your family. You put God before your friends. That's cool. You just need to put God just a little bit above everybody else. It needs to be God, then your wife, then your family, then your kid, all that stuff. But that's, that's not the picture that I think he's painting here at all, actually. You see, this, this love that he's talking about for God, that's, that's as simple as I can put it, is this talking about love for God. You love God so much that by comparison, you hate other people. That's what it looks like on the outside. That doesn't just look like barely putting God right ahead of your wife. It doesn't just barely look like you putting God ahead of yourself. You know, like, I'll go to church on Sundays, and the bad news about it is, is, Listening to a couple of worship songs during the week, maybe, you know, during a Sunday or during a Wednesday night, and getting maybe an emotional response, you know what I'm talking about, and then hearing a message on Wednesday night, and then hearing a message, that doesn't do it. It's not enough. I hate to say it, but it's, it's really not. You can't, you can't love, that's not the picture of loving God. It's, that's not the picture of putting him first, going to church instead of sleeping at home going to church instead of watching. I'm going to church. I'm not watching TV. I'm going to church. I'm doing something good here. But that's not the picture that's painted here. The picture that's painted here is loving God so much. Loving him with all of your heart, mind, strength, and soul. There's only one way to love God. You can't love him any other way. There's, there's only one way. If you love him, you love him with all of yourself. If you don't love him, you don't love him at all. Does that make sense? It's just one way. You can't just love him with your heart and not love him with your strength, soul, and mind. 
that doesn't work that way. Once you love him with your heart, once you know who he is, you fall in love for them. Every bit of your being, every ounce of you wants to please him. So what does this look like? It looks like, it looks like this. It looks like obeying God with everything you have, obeying God in every area of your life, so much so that when people look at you, this is not in their mind. They're not thinking, oh, he must hate people. No, it, it looks like he doesn't care. It looks like he or she doesn't care about the rest of the world. It looks like, well, all they want to do is follow Jesus. All they want to, they, 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 they seem like they pray about where they want to go to college. They seem like they, they want to follow Jesus instead of going to play basketball somewhere. They seem like they want to follow Jesus instead of, instead of going on a date with this girl or this girl or this guy. Instead of, you know, they, they want, they're looking for like a partner, you know, like the Christians do. It, it's, it looks like, it looks like they care so much about God that everything else just seems to fall in the background. That's what this hate looks like. It's putting your love for God above every single thing in your entire life. Every thought you have, every relationship you have, every job you interview for, everything. It's everything, literally everything. It looks like hatred because you love God so much. It looks like you just don't even care. Everything else falls in the background. But then we're on the flip side. You get people who think, oh, I, I, I hate you. I don't, I don't like you because you're not Jesus. I, I don't like you at all. You know, like, that's what people think. Oh, maybe, I, maybe I need to do that. No, that's not what you need to do either. Because what it really looks like is just think about a bubble. And this bubble is God. And everything else that you love is in that bubble. You see, you don't love your wife and love God. You don't love your children and you love God. You love your children through your love for God. There's a difference. You see, people are going to see, oh, they really love their children, but there's something different about that. You know, like, it, it seems like they're, they're, they're obeying God through making their children obey. It seems like they're, they're wanting God to just, that they're doing everything for God, but yet they're loving their children. They're doing everything for God, but their wife, you know, they love their wife like, like nobody I've ever seen. And, and they love people. They love people they don't even know. Well, that's not loving people and loving God. That's loving people through God. That's through your love for God, you love people because that's what God does. When you love God, you become more like God. Then he goes on to say, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So we get this picture of you love God so much so that everything else seems to fall in the background. And then he says, if you do not carry my cross, your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And see, this, this cross thing that he's talking about here is a picture of death. It's a picture of dying to yourself and, and living to Christ. Well, that seems a little radical, you know, like you die to yourself. Most people don't even know what that means. You know, it's like, well, you die to yourself. What does that even mean? You know, die to yourself. Well, it just means that, that you don't care about your own self. You lay yourself down. You, you lay your own desires down and you follow after Christ. You see, but he's saying the, the most harsh words, the most bold words in this statement he's making is, you cannot be my disciple. So in other words, you are not a Christian if you don't love God like that and if you don't put yourself, you don't die to yourself daily and follow after me. And some of you may be thinking, I don't know, I mean, I thought this way before. I was I mean, a whole year of my life, actually, thinking I was a Christian. 
And this is what I thought. I thought that it had everything to do with my strength. Everything to do with what I stopped doing, what I could do to, to make, you know, like, okay, I, I want to be, uh, be saved, so I'm, I'm going to do all these good things. And I did. I mean, like, I'm, this is not to brag myself. I'm not doing that. I'm saying it doesn't work. Just understand that. It doesn't work. I stopped doing literally everything I could put my mind to, everything that I thought that doesn't please God. I literally, I stopped doing it. And it, it didn't matter to me. I was like, okay, okay you, you don't cuss anymore. Okay, no more cuss words. If I, if I slipped up and said a cuss word, I would I basically cry myself to sleep. Like, no, you cannot say a cuss word. You cannot do that. It was just all kinds of things just going through my mind. Stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. And I did. But then it left me empty. You know why? Because that's, that's not what this is painting. This, this is not painting that picture. The picture this is painting here is a heart change. See, what happens is when you love God with all of your heart, mind, strength, and soul, basically, in summary, you love God because there's only one way to love him. And when you put yourself behind and you say, I want to follow Jesus, there's something that goes on in your heart. There's something that happens, and this is what you call salvation. This is, this is what people call being born again. This is a new creation. This is what you see when someone becomes a new creation. They don't want those things anymore. You say they don't want to love the world. They don't, they don't want to have sex out of marriage anymore. They don't want drugs. They don't want alcohol. They don't want anything else in this world. Their heart desires Christ. That's what repentance is, is when you turn away from the things of this world and you turn toward Christ. That's what repentance is. You don't have to say that with your mouth. Your heart does it. Your heart does it automatically. When you say, I love God so much, you, you completely forget about your desires, actually. You're just, I don't want that anymore. And when you, and when you fall into temptation, you're just like, oh, I don't even like that. I hate this feeling. I hate sin. Your heart starts to hate sin. You hate sin every bit as much as you love God. That's what the picture is. It's a heart change. And you no longer want yourself. It's not about me. It's not about the music I want to listen to. It's not about the, the person I want to date. It's not about my friendships, my career, my job, my house, my car, my everything. It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. And it will be. If your heart's changed, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't just happen to some. If you are a follower of Christ, that's exactly what it is. It says if that is not true in your life, you are not a Christian. See, the picture we have in this culture, and a lot of people know this. If you're a follower of Christ, you, you know this. You know that there's a lot of people here who are in the Bible Belt that claim to be Christians, but they're, but they're really not. They just kind of say it just because they, they want to be accepted in some form or fashion, or they want to make themselves feel better. They think they're going to heaven, and they may not be. But the reality is, if, you, if this is not you, if you don't love God, and if you don't put yourself on, your, on the cross daily and live for him, then you're not a Christian. And that's not me. That's the word of God saying that. And I'd rather listen to what Jesus said about it than what man says about it. Because man tries to make you feel better because, uh, honestly, they want themselves to be better. Let's go on and see what else he says. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. 
what I think he's saying here. Okay, so I have a, I have a friend that uh, the same summer camp that I went to, I got, I got saved at this summer camp, 2010. The same summer camp, the same night, the same sermon, everything was the same. And this friend I had, he was crying, never seen the kid cry before. He was, he was wanting to follow after Christ, never heard him say it before. I didn't even know what that was. Honestly, I didn't go to church for that, so it was the first time hearing it. And so I just started to realize what it actually is. What is, what is following Christ? And I felt this feeling in my heart like, okay, so, so you're telling me I need to, to turn away from my own desires and follow after you. Like this is like a voice inside of me. I, I didn't know what it was. God speaking to me. I didn't know it. But apparently this same thing was happening to my friend. Well, that same night, me and my friend both gave our lives to Christ. I was on the beach. I was by myself. I didn't do it with him. But I was by myself, and I was looking at the ocean, and I was just humbled by the fact that he could hold that in his hand. I was just learning all these things, and I started to figure out who God was, and God spoke to me in my heart, and I said, God, I just want everything to be okay. And at that moment, I didn't say, God, I repent of my sins. God, I know who you are. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't have to say all that because he knew my heart. What I said was, I just want everything to be okay, God. And so at that moment, my heart turned from sin and turned toward him. And from that moment, I never got over it. From that moment on, every thought throughout my day, it seems like that I'm trying to figure out how I can follow him better. It feels like I'm just trying to seek that next moment of intimacy with my God because I want it so bad. I want to be intimate with God. I want to know he's there. I want to feel him. I want to hear what he's saying. I want to take the steps he's telling me to take. Well, my friend in that same thing, that same camp, same night, same sermon, he follows Jesus for a little while. But after about a week or two, something, something slipped in. I don't know what it was, but something slipped in, and he, he took on to it. But it was, you know, I'll come to church. I'll, I'll still come to church and all that, but I'm, I'm going to do this over here. Before you know it, I don't know where he's at. Well, see, that's the picture here. See, what he did was, and not that I'm any better, I'm not saying that. God just changed my heart. That's all it was, not anything I did. But he considered the cost of starting, but he never considered the cost of finishing his walk through Christ, to finishing this life. See, it says that you have to count the cost, but then, then when you lay your foundation, you're like, oh, I ran out of money. What, what, what in the world? I thought I, you know, I, thought I was going to build a whole house, but I only got enough money for this foundation. Did you not consider that before you started building a house? I mean, like, if you see somebody do that, you're thinking, how dumb is he? You know, like, what is he even doing? I mean, this is just a foundation. I only had enough money to do that, so I figured, well, that's not a house. You know, you didn't finish your, you didn't finish your job. So you have to consider the cost of finishing, not just the cost of starting. Because the cost of starting is very low, actually. Because you get rid of the big things, just like I did before I even became a Christian. You get rid of the big things. That's easy. But following Jesus on a daily basis, giving yourself up, that's the hard thing. Loving people who are your enemies, that's hard. Praying for your enemies, that's hard. But you have to consider the cost of finishing. You see, the people who consider that cost, and they say, God, I, I just... 
I'm just going to give it to you. Here, here's my life. You can have it, and you know in your mind I'm committed from this day forward to follow this God who loves me so much that I can't even follow myself anymore. There's no way I could ever turn from him and follow myself now. There's no way. So I'm with you to the end, God. That's what you have to consider. Consider the cost. And it's almost like you know, he, he put the cost, and then right below it, he says, consider the cost. It's almost like he knew we would forget to hate our wife and our husband and our children and our mother and our dad and our friends compared to our love for him. It's almost like he knew we would forget. It's like, hey, don't forget this. Consider this cost before you can consider following me. It's almost like he knew we would ignore him because of how hard the teaching was. I'm just going to keep following. Maybe he didn't mean that. Consider the cost of not only starting, but consider the cost of finishing. See, this large crowd, they were positive. They were positive. They wanted to follow Jesus. They were, you know, just like last week, the guy was like, hey, hey, Jesus, let me follow you. And he was like, you know, foxes have their dens, the birds have the nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay. I'm out. See you. I'm gone. So that's what, that's what happened. He, he considered the cost of just starting. And he never considered the cost of finishing. Let's go on and see what else he says. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So we have the cost. Then we have consider the cost of finishing. Now we have to consider the cost of everything that's going to be coming against us. You see, when you become a Christian, now the whole world's against you. Now there's going to be things come against you that try to put you down in your faith. That's going to try to make you like you know like. Not, not good for the gospel, that you're not making any progress in the gospel. Things are going to come against you. Things are going to be pounding. You're going uphill. You're going upstream. Any way you want to put it, things are coming against you. There's going to be people talk to you, you know, like, hey, you know, Keith, you're, you're not going to make it through high school without having sex out of marriage. I promise you. You're not going to do it. And like, oh, hey, hey, you over there, yeah. You're not going to go through college without drinking a single beer. Like, there's, there's no way that you could do that because that's what everybody does. Everybody has sex. Everybody drinks beer. Everybody smokes weed. That, that's what everybody does. You won't be able to do it. I promise you. Things are going to come against you, and you're just going to give in because that's what people do, right? That's what people do. People give in to temptation. People are going to give in to sin. But not necessarily because when you consider the cost of following Christ, you consider that cost of not doing those things. And what I say earlier, when you put yourself behind, you no longer want those things. It's not hard. It's not hard to not do something when you don't want to do it. If you don't want to jump off a cliff, I promise you, you're not going to jump off that cliff. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's not hard to think about. But you have to know like, where your heart is. Things are going to come, they're going to tell you these things, and you're going to say no. But here's the thing. You will slip up. Things will come against you, and you will give in sometimes. And sometimes it feels like they're winning the battle. Like, man, that really hurt. That, that's really discouraging in my faith. Like, I, you know, I, I can't believe they said it. I can't believe they think that about me. I don't even do that. Like, and all, all of a sudden, you, you mess up, and you think, oh, 
Like, I was supposed to be past this. I was supposed to be so much better than this. Like, I've been a Christian for, what, 10 years now? I'm supposed to be better at this than I am. I'm not supposed to be committing sins anymore. Things are going to happen. But the same grace that's telling you to count the cost, the same grace that's telling you what it takes to follow, that's the same grace that will pick you right back up. That's the same grace that will keep you going. Just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing to the point where at your very last breath, every ounce of your being, if you are a follower of Christ, every ounce of your being will be out of you. Everything will be spent for the gospel. Everything you have, every desire you have will say, you know, I might have messed up, but that, that's not me. I don't care about that. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to glorify God with my life. I'm going to tell the gospel to people because I want people to know that just because they make a mistake doesn't mean God doesn't love them and doesn't mean he can't change their heart. Doesn't mean they can't have the same peace I have. Doesn't mean they can't have the same comfort I have. I'm not going to let that bring me down because if you try to break me down, I'm just going to keep going harder. That's exactly what I'm going to do. That's exactly what a Christ follower does. You try to break them down, they're just going to keep going harder because the Holy Spirit keeps you going. And you say, well, Keith, I'm just... I'm too weak for that, that you're exactly in the right place. You're there. Because it's never your strength, ever. It's about how weak you admit you are. Say, God, I'm too weak to do this on my own. I got you. Because you know what? It is impossible to stop God. It is impossible to stop a Christ follower because God is in them. It is impossible. Try it. You, you won't do it. I just, I'm just telling you, you can't do it. And, you know, I, I'm not saying this, my, I, I'm not strong at all, but if God wants me to keep going, I'm going to keep going. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with how God changed my heart. And I say, God, I love you. He's going to keep me going. He's going to provide the strength, and I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to stop. You try to break me down, I'm just going to go that much harder at you. It's impossible to stop God impossible. And it's all about how weak you admit you are to the Lord. Because he gives grace to the humble, right? If you think you're strong enough, you're proud. But when you admit you're weak, you're humble. And you say, God, I can't do this on my own. I got you. That's when he gives you grace to keep going. That's when he gives you that grace to get right back up and keep on pressing on. last verse he says so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own so I want you to stop just real quick and just think about in your mind just kind of go through everything that you own everything you can think about though oh that's in my possession think about it and if it's limited to just your possessions materialistically like your house and your car think a little deeper a little deeper about things you own. Think about some sins that you treasure up in your heart. Think about some relationships that you might not want to do away with. Think about even your possessions, like your house, your car, maybe your job, things like that. He says, you cannot be my disciple if you do not give up Everything you own. See, to be a disciple of Christ, to be a Christian, you have no preference. You cannot go to God with preferences. Like, hey, God, okay, here's the deal. 
I'll follow you if you let me keep my house. Say, like, oh, no, no. Okay, so God, so you're telling me I have to give a thing. Just one thing. Let me keep my alcohol. You can have everything else, but don't take my sexually immoral relationship. I, I want to keep that right here, and, but you can have everything else. I just kind of want to indulge in this for a little while. He says, everything you own. And sin, anything sin, there's no exception whatsoever. You, that cannot stay. And I promise you, you won't want it to stay if you're a follower of Christ. So it, there's really no point in me saying that. Because if you're a Christian, you're going to be like, oh, I don't even want that anyway. That's not, that's not a part of me. I, I'll fall, but that's not a part of me. I don't desire that. I desire God. God is my number one. Far above. Not just a little bit. A lot. But things like your house and your car and your kids, other relationships, those things, everybody has. That's, that's, it's not a sin to have a house, okay? Like, it's not a sin to have a nice car. I mean, like, don't just go sell your car and get a crappy one, you know, like, that, that's not what I'm saying here. It's, it's not what I'm saying at all. But what he's saying is, don't let those things hold you back. It, it's not a sin to say, okay, I'm going to get married on this date, and uh, maybe by this date we can build our own house. That's not a sin. But the sin, the, the, the place where he's telling you to give it up is saying, I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life, no matter if God calls me to Africa or Boston or to California. I don't care. I'm staying in my house because my house is my house. He's saying, you have to be willing. Your house cannot hold you back because your house doesn't matter. Nothing else matters besides Christ. No, literally nothing else. You cannot, and people say this all the time, you can't bring it to the grave. That's for real. You can't. And if your heart is truly with Christ, those things will not matter. They will not. Your house will not matter. Your cars won't matter. Your clothes won't matter. None of those things will matter. It's going to be hard. It may be hard to give it up, but it, you love Jesus that much more. And I promise you, if he ever calls you to do those things, to be uncomfortable, if you love God, it will happen. It'll be really hard. The process will be really hard. But, okay, so I heard... I was talking to somebody, and, and they were like, so I just want to graduate, I just want to graduate college, and I want to get a job this date, and I, I want to do that so that I can be comfortable. You know what I mean? This, this is what they're saying. Like, you know what I mean? I just want to be comfortable. I don't want to have to worry whether I go out and buy a $20 t-shirt. Like, I, if I want to buy a $20 t-shirt, I want, I want to go buy and buy a $20 t-shirt. I don't want to care. I just, you know, I, don't, I want to be that comfortable. I don't. I don't want to have to struggle for money, you know? And, and then there's another person I was talking to, and they were like, um, so I'm, I have a friend, Matthew. I'm, he spoke here. I don't know if anybody, Matthew Nunnally, he went to Vermont and started a church. Well, what he did was he, he quit his job. He didn't have one going up. He didn't, you know, say, oh, yeah, I'm moving to Vermont. I got a job opportunity up there. No, like, he went up there without a job. No job opportunity, nothing. Like, it was like literally going up there, hey, what can I do now? You know, I'm going to start a church. My family's right here. They may, they may be starving for a little while, but, you know, I'm just going to try to do my best. I'm going to try to make the money, but the Lord's going to provide because the Lord told me to move up here, so that's what I'm going to do. And there was, a, there was my friend I was talking to, him, and uh, he, was like, he was like, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't see myself. You know, like, I, I understand, like, I, I admire that guy, but 
like, I understand doing that, but I just don't see myself. Like, how do you give up your job and, and move up somewhere for, the, like, just the gospel? I mean, like, people need it here, don't they? Yeah, like, I, I can't see myself doing that. I, I mean, I understand trusting the Lord, but trusting the Lord, that's, that's a little much. Like, what did you sign up for? You know? I mean, when you became a Christian, you decided, I'm going to follow after Christ. Here's his teachings right here. That's what a disciple is. You follow after somebody's teachings. He teaches that in this Bible. He teaches, if you, if you read it, you'll, you'll understand that he calls you to really crazy places at really crazy times. Like right now. I am so scared of public speaking. It is ridiculous. I hate it. I never thought when God called me into the ministry, I went to Kenny and I cried my eyes out. I said, Kenny, I'm scared because I don't, I don't care. I'll do anything else, but I will not speak on stage. Will not do it. I'm too scared. That's just a little thing. What happens if God calls you to Africa? And we, we think about that here, like, oh, man, that's great. You know, Africans, we'll, we'll send some money over there. But we don't actually think it will happen to us. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we don't want to actually think, like, oh, God won't actually call me to live there because, you know, they don't have an AC. They don't have, like, good, clean water. They don't have all that. God won't actually call me. Yes, he will. And if you're a Christian, you'll desire to follow after God's will, just like he's saying right here. So if you don't give up everything you own, that's a preference. You own that preference in your heart. You prefer to live here in Alabama right where you have been your whole life, and you prefer to stay comfortable. You have to give that up. If you're a Christian, you don't want that anymore. If you're a Christian, you desire to overcome that. Yeah, you'll want to live here. Yeah, I want to live here. I want to have clean running water too. But the thing is that your desires will be different. You'll, you'll desire to get over that. You'll be like, God, I want to live here, but I feel like you're calling me to, to somewhere else, and I have a good job here. Like, what do I do? What, what, what's my family? My family? Are they going to be able to go to school at this place? I mean, is this somewhere I can raise my family? Is this somewhere where my wife will feel comfortable? Like, what's going on here? But you'll desire to get over that. You'll desire that. Your, your heart will follow after Christ if you are a Christ follower. If you are a Christian, a Christian, you can't just, that, that's the thing. Is like people, are, say, people say, like, hey, I'm a Christian but they're really not. You know, like a real Christian, you can be able to tell by their fruits. You know how some people will be like, it's like, I don't know. They die, but I, I think they're a Christian. I'm not sure. That, that, most time, they can just, they just tell you, a Christian, you'll be able to tell who they are. And if, you're, if you are a Christian, you'll be able to tell if someone is or not because you'll be able to see their fruits. You'll be able to see how they talk, what they talk about, how they live their life, what they buy, all these different things. That doesn't come out of a... Uh, out of just trying really hard, that comes out of your heart. Out of the overflow of your heart, your life happens. If your heart is overflowing with Jesus, Jesus will happen. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I guess to sum it all up, I was, I was reading, um, I'm doing this thing where I'm trying to see what I believe. You know, like, I, I realized one day that I have no idea really what Christianity is other than what Kenny has told me and my other pastor that I have when I was first got saved and then Cody. So if, if those two people said it, that means that's what Christianity is, and that's what I followed. And I knew they were speaking from God's word, but I, I didn't know myself. I didn't know, like, where do I find that in the Bible? How can I, like, how can I test my own salvation? How do I know what I believe? So I decided I'm just going to read through the New Testament. That's what I'm going to do. And everywhere I come to where I have a question... I'm going to write it down. 
So one day I was reading, I had read through like Matthew and Mark, and one day I realized like, it's crazy, but I don't know where they're talking about there's good news in here. You know, like the whole time I was reading it, I was like, I mean, are you going to say something good or what? You know, I was just really confused. I'll be honest with you, I was very confused. And this is why God told me to read the Bible, because I was going to be confused and I need to learn something. But it's, it's almost like this passage. You know, we get to the end of it, and you know, every sermon, we know this as Christians, we know this as people who come to church, we know that every sermon is supposed to have Jesus in it. Every sermon is supposed to have Jesus down on the cross for your sins. You're supposed to accept him as your Savior, put him into your heart. So everybody knows that. Everybody knows all that stuff. But I'm, I'm really confused at this point, like, where is the good news? And so I bet you're wondering, like, okay, in this passage, you're supposed to hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your wife, hate your husband, hate your children. You're supposed to hate yourself, die to yourself. Then you're supposed to count the cost. He never, and he tells you the cost, but he never says, hey, but don't worry about it. It's a lot easier than it looks. Never says that. There's, like, no good news. I, I feel like there's no good news. But he comes down to the end, and he says, so if you do not give up everything you own, you cannot be my disciple. In other words, he says, if you don't renounce, if you don't abandon everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. That's where the good news is. Why is that good news? Because why would he tell you to give up everything you have if he is not all you need? If Jesus is not, if, if in him he doesn't provide everything you need, why would he tell you to give it all up? You see, that's the good news. It's because Jesus himself is everything you need. Jesus himself counted the cost of all of our sins, and he paid the price for our sins. He counted it. Yeah, like, yeah, like he looked at us. He actually saw our sin, and he still did it. Just like we're supposed to look at the cost of following him, and we're still supposed to do it. Yeah, he looked at us, and he, he saw me. He saw my heart. He saw everything that I had done in the past. He even saw my efforts of trying to be good, and he said there was not enough. He saw, every, he saw every murder. He saw every rape. He saw every cuss word. He sees it all. He sees all of our sin, yet he came to die. He counted the cost, and he still did it. He still, that's the good news. And he says, you're supposed to follow me. He's everything we need. Everything we need is in him. He forgives us of our sin. And when we fall, when we sin again, when we do the very thing that he saved us from, he picks us right back up and he says, you can still spend eternity with me. You don't have to pay the punishment for your sin anymore. No longer do you have to go to hell and be separated from me. I brought you to myself. I loved you so much. And what do you have to do? Love me back. Love me back. Just love me. That's all I'm asking you to do is love me. And I promise once you see God, once you see who he really is, it is not hard to love him. In fact, you begin to wonder why he even loved you in the first place. Why he would ever die on the cross, why he would ever take the pain that you were supposed to feel. So consider the cost. Follower, believer, someone who has believed already and you are a follower of Christ. Have you gone back a little bit? 
Have you kind of like settled into the background and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to ease up here because I don't want to get called deeper. I don't want to get called deeper into this, this thing of following Jesus. Are you a little scared? Don't be scared. Don't be scared because the good news is, is this is not our home. The good news is, is we only live 80 years here and we live 80 billion and trillion there. So count the cost. Are you willing to pay it? Are you willing to give up everything for him? Is he worth it to you? He doesn't have to be. You don't, I'm not forcing you to. I'm just putting it out there. Just like he did. He said, here's the cost. Are you willing to pay it? I'm going to pray and you can pray in your seat. You can pray up here. You can pray standing up. It doesn't really matter. But if God's speaking to your heart, I'm begging you, don't be scared. Don't be scared to talk to him. Open up. Pry to him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him that you're scared. Ask him the big questions. Ask him why he would do that. Ask him where you're supposed to go next. He'll lead you. Because if you're seeking him, You'll be able to find him. He'll make himself known, I promise. So if he's speaking to your heart, I'm, I'm just begging you, like, don't, don't ignore it. Just don't. And if there's, there's Christians in here, I know for sure, and if you feel like God's calling you into a relationship with him, we're right here with you. We went through the same thing. We got scared just like you're scared right now. We were shaken our heart was about to pound out of our chest and we didn't know what was going to happen after we all went through that. Same thing. And we're all sinners. And it's the same grace. And His grace abounds over any sin you've ever done. So don't be scared. If you're, actually, if you're a follower already, if you're a Christian, don't be scared to go deeper. Don't be scared to put your life on the line literally and figuratively, for the gospel. Because it's what saved you. It's what's going to keep you out of hell. And not only that, you get to be with him. It's not about just staying out. It's, you, know, you get to be with Jesus. He loves you. And that love will overwhelm you to the point where you can't help but to love him with everything you have. So I'm going to pray. And if God's speaking in your heart, please just respond. Father, thank you so much for counting the cost of what it would take to die for our sins. God, thank you for living a completely perfect life so that, so that God could look at me as if I was you. Father, my only prayer right now is for the person that's getting called deeper into a relationship with you, or if a person doesn't have a relationship with you, Father, I pray they would go deeper. Father, I pray that they would begin their relationship with you and that they would finish it. Father, that they would count the cost and say, I counted the cost and I see that you are completely worth every single dime. Father, I pray that they come to that realization tonight and I pray that the Holy Spirit leads them to repentance and they would feel the joy and the peace and the comfort and the love that comes along with that, Father.
Father, I love you so much. Father, I wish that I could follow you better. Father, I wish that I could I could just love you more than I, I can't even understand how to love you even more. I wish I could do it though, Father. I wish I could just go deeper and deeper and deeper. Father, I pray you just lead us, lead us as a church family. Lead us as individuals into a, a deeper relationship with you so, Father, we can reach the ends of the world with your love. We can reach the end of the, of the world with your, with your gospel. Father, draw us near to you. Uh, bring us to your word. Give us a passion for your word. And, Father, give us a passion to do your commands. Give us a passion to share your gospel. I love you, Lord. Thank you so much for dying for us. Thank you for dying for your church. Jesus, now I pray. Amen.